listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Back for another hour from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, it's the Flames game day. The Flames and the Colorado Avalanche from Denver tonight. 7.30 puck drop. 6.30 Flames warm up with the one and only Pat Steinberg. Hope they get up till 7.30 where Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson will have the call of the Flames and the Avalanche right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, the Flames, expected to go with Dan Vladar in net after he missed Saturday's start against the Devils, dealing with an illness. Also, if you missed an hour one, dove into uh, a couple storylines from Saturday's game against New Jersey, a bit on the Shohei Otani news, and our regular Monday check-in with Emily Sadler talking all things NFL. If you missed any of it, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We'll get back to the text line in a few moments at 960-960. Feel free to shoot us a text if you're listening live. We're kicking off Hour 2 with a look at tonight's opposition, the 16-9-2 Colorado Avalanche. To help us do so, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our next guest covering the ads for NHL.com. Ryan Bolding joins us this afternoon. Ryan, thanks for the time, man. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm great. Always appreciate the time uh, when you come on and hop with us here in Calgary. Uh, getting set for tonight's matchup. We saw these two teams meet uh, in November, part of a four-game win streak for the Colorado Avalanche, but hasn't been as smooth sailing since that game uh, in Calgary, a 3-1 win for the Avs. Just the one win against Anaheim since then. A uh, bit of a rocky road for the Avs the last couple weeks. Yeah, things have been a little tough for the Avalanche. It seems like it's kind of been the Nathan McKinnon show out here and, and nobody else is really contributing, and that's kind of been the issue. What uh, Has that happened before in Colorado? Does that happen sometimes when you have a guy like Nathan McKinnon? Is it easy, you, you think, watching this team and sometimes guys always look to, to the star player to, to be the guy that's providing for the group? You know, I ask that often during stretches like this where you you start to wonder, is the expectation that a guy like McKinnon or Rontanen or Kale McCarr is going to take this team on their back and everybody else is kind of safe? And they like to avoid saying yes to that. But I think at times you start to see maybe guys falling out of the, the game plan that Jared Bednar has in place. You know, they start kind of freelancing and doing, you know, falling back on old habits. And some of that, I think, then – uh, maybe makes those guys, those elite guys, feel like they have to take over the game and do those things. And so that's kind of what starts to happen. You know, I think you see Nathan McKinnon really try to, to take it upon himself, and he's been hot lately too, so that's to his benefit. But the other hand, you know, the other side of that really is Miko Rantanen hasn't scored since November 22nd. Like uh, Ryan Johansson, I mean, he, he hadn't scored in a while. He scored, obviously, a goal against Calgary on November 25th, two goals against Tampa on the 27th. He hasn't scored a goal since then. He's been up and down the lineup. You know, this team's still waiting for Tomas Tatar to score a goal. 
Um, Kale McCarr has been held off the score sheet for three games straight, which ties the longest stretch of his career without a point, which Jeez. is also miraculous. But that's just kind of the way things have been going for this team lately. And I guess it, it's worth noting, too, if you don't watch the Avalanche on a regular basis, they are without, have been without a couple of key guys. Lekkonen's been hurt for a while now, I believe. Val Nachushkin also just a, a recent re-add to the roster. He was dealing with an injury as well, Ryan. Yep, uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it was an illness for him. Okay. He was sick. Uh, he missed a couple games. I wouldn't necessarily say he was super dangerous in this last game against Philly, so it might take him a game or two to really get back up to speed. And then the news of the day is Josh Manson is dealing with an injury now. He wasn't at morning skate. Um, Jared Bednar didn't know if he was going to be available tonight. They're, they're calling it an undisclosed injury. They're not telling us upper or lower on that one, but he's day-to-day. And Yoel Kiviranta is uh, sick and may be available tonight. So a lot of lineup changes have been going on, a lot of stuff's up and down. Um, obviously, the loss of Lekkonen is, is hurting this team. Not having Gabriel Landeskog for the season hurts them as well. Lekkonen, uh, this week, we learned, is at about the four-week mark of a 10- to 12-week recovery from a neck injury. So uh, he just started skating, but he's you know not really close for this team. So it's kind of one of those situations where they're going to have to do it with what they got, and they've been capable of doing it. We all saw it the last time these two teams met. Um, but just things haven't necessarily been going right for some of the key guys. What would you say the storyline's been for this group the last two games, specifically heading into this one, losses uh, to Philly and all of a sudden the Central Division leading Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, I think uh, both teams came in and played a a real – they kind of dictated the pace of play and and did that very well. And the the story of those two games has been giving up too many um, scoring chances against you know, in particular against the Flyers, Andrew Cogliano was pretty vocal about the defensive aspect of the game and, and giving up too many chances there. Jared Bednar this morning spoke about just not resetting above the puck when the, the transition is happening from offense to defense, um, which I think kind of goes back to what I was saying with falling on old habits. You know, Bednar made a point today to talk about how that used to be the bread and butter of this team, the way that they aggressively reloaded and attacked the puck on the defensive side of things. And that's kind of fallen off. Um, And he's always really preached that strong defense leads to strong offense. And I think you've seen that a lot in the last couple of years with this team. And that's what they're looking for. But that's kind of been the big deficiency here. And then on the, on the goaltending side of things, you know, both goalies, Georgiev and Prosvetov have been fine. I don't know that they've necessarily been exceptional. I wouldn't blame anything on them. Prosvetov was pretty good despite, you know, losing 5-2 to two against the Flyers. Uh, but he just didn't really get the support that I think this team is really known for. Uh, I know one guy we've talked about here in Calgary wondering about the fit uh, with Nathan McKinnon. What's the year been like? Uh, for Jonathan Drouin, 25 games in with the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I think he kind of started where we expected him to with a, an adjustment. You know, I still think there was pressure on him to perform. I had him kind of pegged as a, a second-line wing and not necessarily a top-line wing, just given, you know, his history um, and I think the expectation. Down this recent stretch, he's been contributing. He's seen, you know, his ice time go up significantly uh, against Winnipeg and Anaheim. He was in the 20-minute range. It's been back down to 15-14 where he's kind of average. I think it took him a while to get to a groove where he felt comfortable with the system, and and he's been pretty open about that too. Um, But he's been pretty good of late, and I think, you know, Tatar as well is kind of coming there, getting there. 
he's just one that's he's been kind of enigmatic this season so far. Uh, we had a report uh, on Saturday here from uh, our NHL insider, uh, Elliot Friedman, that uh, Gabe Landeskog had returned to Denver with his family. It wasn't indicative of any sort of return nearing, but Landeskog would like to play hockey again at some point. Uh, I guess what was that news like for, for people in Denver? Was it nice to, to hear that perhaps this was a step in the right direction, or is it just still too early to get excited about anything like that? Yeah, I think it's still too early to get excited. I think the intent of him in the organization and coming out as early as they did and saying he is going to miss the entire season was kind of to, to take the pressure off of the, the questions, the you know, the false timelines. Even even then when Landis Gog spoke, he talked about how hard it is to do a public rehab um, with eyes watching you and people putting timelines on and pressure on. So that's, the plan was always to kind of take it easy, um, he was scheduled to have an appointment with his doctor in mid-November to, to get a timeline to return to skating, and we haven't heard an update about that. Jared Bednar didn't have one um, anytime recently there. We did see him at morning skate before the Flyers game on the bench. He was, you know, talking to the guys, shooting pucks from the bench through the door and on the net. So his presence, I think it's good. It'll be helpful to have the team around. He's back trying to get his kids back in school and get back on a routine there. I don't think there's any, you know, timeline change for him to be back. And I, I don't think, you know, he's going to be in the locker room at intermission, giving pep talks and doing captain stuff, but his presence and just his, his liveliness uh, at morning skate and stuff like that can definitely be a boost to this team. Where have they missed them? The, where have they missed him the most, Ryan, when you think about all the time that he's missed with injury and what he brings on a regular basis when he is healthy? Yeah, I think in front of the net is really a, a strength of his that you don't realize until it's gone. And there was a, a stretch where it clicked for Val Nichushkin. Uh Jared Bednar said he, he spent a lot of time studying tape, looking at the release of his defensemen and how to time that to tip the pucks, deflections in front of the net. And then he went on that six-game goal streak. You know, he was real hot there for a stretch, and a lot of those were tipping goals. And that's kind of where it clicked this team has been missing a big body in front that can have the hand-eye coordination to really deflect those pucks and turn them into goals dangerously. And so I think that's one spot that they have really missed him. But then, you know, just doing work down low in the corners and that, that kind of power forward role, I think, is something that they've been missing as well. Uh, we spoke a bit about uh, Jonathan Drouin as a new guy in uh, Denver. I wanted to ask about Ross Colton uh, as well because uh, in Calgary we have our own uh, Tampa player that got sort of outpriced in the market there and has come in and been a big part in Blake Coleman. But uh, what's Ross Colton been like for the Colorado Avalanche after they gave him that four-year deal? Yeah, I think he's like a, a burst of energy. I think Ross Colton sometimes is like shotgunning a Red Bull or something. You know? <laughs> he's, a, he's a guy that just goes out at 100% all the time. He's a disruptor. You know, for me, that's I appreciate that type of player. I feel like that's me. You know, just a, this is a guy that brings high energy. He disrupts plays. I think the pairing with him and Miles Wood and Logan O'Connor has consistently been one of the best lines for this team all year. They may not show up on the score sheet, but the work that they're doing night in and night out has been really valuable. He's even seen some time up as the second line center with his play. You know, I know Jared Bednar's had to move Logan O'Connor around some. He's played on the top line. 
with the absence of Nachushkin. So um, that line has been disrupted a little bit, but Ross Colton has maybe been better than I would have expected at the time. It hasn't really shown up on the score sheet, but you know, his play I think has been a, a big part of what has brought this team success when it's been successful. We're taking a look at the opposition for the Calgary Flames tonight. It's the Colorado Avalanche. Ryan Bolding joining us down the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline who covers the Avalanche for NHL. Dot com. I mentioned it to you uh, in passing as we sort of went through the last couple of games here for the Avalanche, but I'm curious, uh, as a guy that covers this team, how surprised you are as we head into tonight that uh, all of a sudden the Winnipeg Jets are right up there with the Colorado Avalanche when it comes to the Central Division standings. I know it's still early, uh, but for Colorado, I think we probably assume they'd be battling with Dallas. Maybe you know someone like Minnesota or Nashville would surprise, but how do you see Winnipeg all of a sudden in this conversation? You just saw them the other night. Yeah, I feel like Winnipeg is that team that at the start of every year, I'm like, Winnipeg's got something good here. And then they just kind of stumble out of the gates. You know, I think this season, maybe more than ever, I've really noticed, and especially when talking to the away team in the building, that teams have had some struggles with the the new players on the team, getting up to speed, getting familiar with the system, and really having that cohesion. You know, we've seen it with the Blues, and they've struggled up and down. They came in here, had a tough game, came back, had a real good game. Um, Carolina came in here and had a pretty tough game and they said before and after the game, you know, that chemistry was kind of an issue. Um, like I said, with Drew N, even he was saying just recently, like, I finally feel like I've got it down. I'm good. I can go out and play with confidence and not be wondering about the system. So the, to me, the Jets are one of those teams where I'm always kind of disappointed in how they start and I'm sure they were as well. And then, yeah, it's just like you blink and all of a sudden they're at the top of the standings, they're playing well. They came out and, and played a, a, a really well-executed game against the Avalanche. I know Rick Bonus was probably pretty happy with the, the way that game went for his team. Um, I thought Connor Hellebuck was very good uh, in that game. He got his 250th career win. And then, you know, conversely, Carter Hart, I thought, was also very good for the Flyers here. So that's the run into some hot goalies. But it doesn't surprise me with the talent that Winnipeg has. Is a division title still of importance to the Colorado Avalanche in your mind, Ryan, or is it more of a, it's a nice thing to have, but not a necessity for a team that recently had a Stanley Cup championship in their, under their belt? I think it is important to this team, and I think they don't like to talk about it, but internally it is. And the reason I, I say that is because last year, Jared Bednar admitted uh, after the Avalanche clinched the title um, and they pushed pretty hard at the end of the year to get there. He admitted that that was a goal that they had talked about at the start of the season and a point of pride for them was to do that. And the question for me then became at what cost to this yeah. team? Because obviously the team was dealing with a, a severe number of injuries. You know, they had a very short off season after winning a Stanley cup. That was one of the later Stanley cups in NHL history. So the, the push where Kale McCarr is playing 25 minutes a game starting in December, you know, all the way through to the, the injury suffered at the end of the year, coming in the playoffs kind of not ready. Josh Manson, you know, he was hurt and ended up tearing some abdominal muscles in the, in the playoffs probably as a result of not being 100% from the other injury. You wonder what's the cost of pushing for what is probably a meaningless um, you know, accolade for that season. Maybe they get through the crack, and if they're a little healthier, I don't know how much further the Avalanche go last year from there. But I do think winning the division title is important to them. 
and we'll have to see what they're willing to do or not do to do that this year after the lessons learned from last season. We're about halfway through the month of December. We're past the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday, which uh, is always a big turning point for a lot of people in the NHL. As you kind of take a look at this team and, and you know they're going to be in contention down the stretch, uh, I know we always start to do this with our respective clubs that we cover. Uh, we get closer to a trade deadline and we start to, to look at the trade market and look what's out there. As of today, Ryan, when you look at this group and you think where are they going to look to improve as we get closer to the trade deadline, what area stands out for you the most when you think about that when it comes to the Avalanche? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, they've won one of their last six games and they're still in second in the Central. So, you know, the sky is falling, but it hasn't fallen that far. Things are still pretty good. This is a team that obviously can heat up. I think the question for us around the media is how successful has Ryan Johansson been at filling in that second line center slot? You know, we talked about Miko Rantanen actually played center on the second line to start the game against the Flyers the other night. Uh, and Jared Bednar said, you know, he, he did it because he wanted to get Miko going. I mentioned before how he hasn't scored in a little bit, mm-hmm. but also you know, the team does, they have four centers and they don't really have anybody else who can kind of come up and fill that slot. Honestly, this team has been missing that a solid person at that position since Kadri left in free agency. And so to me, that's a question mark. You know, if Tatar notoriously starts slow, he needs to get going. I mean, this is a 20 goal guy. If that can't happen, you know, they're going to probably have to look at what they can do to replace that. Um, you know, Kiviranta signing a, a PTO basically was a good boost for this team. And I think he's been pretty good, but, you know, it's a limited minutes position. So you're looking at how can the, the top six really get going, find some solid consistency, be that dangerous top six that the Avalanche is known for. And then on the defensive side of things, you know, things are up and down. But anytime you have like Taves and McCarr pairing healthy, Bowen Byram healthy and playing on his natural side, the defensive game is looking pretty good, but they're also filling in gaps with Sam Malinsky and Caleb Jones here. So, you know, I don't know if you go out and you look for a guy. I don't know if this is a team that needs a Tyson Berry, you know, given that Kale McCarr basically pushed Tyson Berry out of town here, you know, but yeah, it depends on where this team is at the trade deadline in terms of health. I think for sure. that really dictates what they do. Absolutely. Uh, and last but not least, before we let you go, two-game losing streak for the Avs. Uh, what kind of group do you think comes out for Jared Bednar tonight, expecting a, a big push from Colorado to try to end this streak tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a matter of time before Miko gets going, and when he does, he really makes it look effortless at times. So it becomes super noticeable when he's trying very hard and not scoring. I think it's a matter of time. You know, I'm sure everybody in Calgary is hoping tonight isn't the night. Uh, Calgary <laughs> yeah. fielding a pretty strong lineup. You know, Mangiapane's moving down to the Cadres line. Zari's moving up to the Lindholm line. We'll see what that does. Um, I think that the potential is there for this to be a bounce-back game for the Avalanche. These two teams have been struggling lately, right? So one of them is going to come away happy tonight and maybe feeling good for a stretch. We'll see. Uh, Ryan, always appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, hopping on with us again here in Calgary. Great insight uh, on all things Avalanche. Really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for having me. I love it. Hey, thank you. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, you too. Ryan Bolding joining us this afternoon for a look at the opposition.
the Colorado Avalanche are taking on your Calgary Flames for a 7.30 puck drop tonight from Denver. 6.30 Flames warm up with the one and only Pat Steinberg. He'll get you set with everything you need to know ahead of tonight's matchup. he tell you Dan Vladar versus Alexander Gorg- Georgiev. Excuse me. Easy for me to say. Alexander Georgiev will get the start for the Colorado Avalanche. That, your expected goaltending matchup in Denver. We will take a break, come back on the other side, closing out the show on a Monday, Flames game day. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, six-game homestand in the rearview mirror for the Calgary Flames. Monday night, they kick off a tough three-game road trip with stops in Denver, Vegas, and Minnesota before coming home for two against the Lightning and the Panthers. Flames game day on a Monday is a 7.30 puck drop from Denver. Dan Vladar, your expected starting goaltender for the Flames. He was one of the guys dealing with an illness on Saturday, which led to back-to-back starts for the first time for Dustin Wolf in his NHL career. But back to Vladar tonight for the Calgary Flames. They'll look to pick up a win to kick off this three-game road trip. De- uh, Colorado, excuse me, expected to start Alexander Georgiev in net on their end of things, they've lost two in a row, including losses to Winnipeg and Philly. Flames coverage gets going at 6.30 tonight with the one and only Pat Steinberg. He's got you uh, with everything you need to know ahead of tonight's matchup at 6.30. Getting you set for a 7.30 puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's get you caught up with everything you need to know on a game day from the locker room. Media availabilities in Denver wrapping up following morning skate. Let's check in with the head coach on a game day, Ryan Huska. His thoughts at tonight's matchup with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, We had some stretches where we played well in here. Uh, We gave up uh, two goals that you you can't give up to a good team, so we gave them a little bit of momentum, but I thought we fought until the end. Um, The one area that we have to be better in tonight than we were last time we were here was power play for sure. I think that was a a big factor in the game, and, and tonight we want to make sure we use it the right way. I know you've talked about uh, you know the power play coming. Are you still seeing signs that progression and maybe just some some better looks as it's gone along? Yeah, we didn't have one last game. Sure. The game before was just okay, in my opinion. Um, but there have been more signs, and that's that's what it comes down to. It, we've talked a lot about it before. The power play is about work. If you don't have the puck, you have to put yourself in a position that you can get it or support a teammate so you can help break pressure. And then once that pressure is broken, you got to get to the net. So it's not really a complicated recipe. It's it's making sure you're ready to work. Guys, we've talked a lot about obviously the speed on the opposite side, but um, you know, for Demon, especially those gaps and how that can maybe lead to transition back the other way. Yeah, well, that's our forwards too. Like if sure. if we have a good hard track from our forwards coming back consistently, your Demon feel comfortable staying up because they know if they get themselves in trouble, they've got help coming. So um, those work together, and against good teams like we're going to see tonight, they have to make sure they're um, we're dialed in and on the same page in that regard. Are you still seeing a good push from your, your D-men when they get those opportunities to get up and, and, and create some secondary opportunities? For sure. You look at the offense from our team over the last little while, our top four defensemen um, are generating a lot in the last four to five games. Um, and we need to make sure that they stay that way. They're skating, they're aggressive, they're moving the puck much quicker right now. Now we need the forwards to kind of hold their end of the bargain up a little bit here tonight too. This is uh, one of those top teams uh, defensively in terms of offense, too. Um, do you see any similarities in terms of the you know, back end or how you guys create offense? Um, 
I, I, no, I, I don't know if there are a lot of similarities. They're they're a little different sure. in in certain aspects of their game. Where, um, you know, at, at times we're a, a bit of a shot volume group from the back end. Mackenzie Weegar is a great example of that. I think there's a little bit more high skill on on their back end. Not to take anything away from our guys, but uh, for our guys to be successful, it's typically about the five guys working together, um, allowing us to create some open space and open ice for them to generate some offense. There's head coach Ryan Huska following morning skate in Denver. Mentioned that power play. It continues to be a sore spot for the Calgary Flames. They've had uh, one of the worst power plays on the road since the November 10th of this season, operating at just 1 for 21. That's 4.8% in their last seven road games. Only the Blue Jackets and Penguins, who have not scored a power play goal in that span, have a worse percentage than the Calgary Flames. They need to pick that up overall in the power play since November 7th. That's home and road games. Just three for 45 are the Calgary Flames. They do have 10 different Flames players who have scored a power play goal this season. Uh, Their only team with a player with multiple power play goals this season, though. So something has to change, perhaps the presence of Matt Coronado or just the challenge of uh, taking on a tough team like Colorado on the road will bring that out of them. Let's hear from Rasmus Anderson. He also spoke to the media following morning skate in Denver. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, their top four, top five players are insanely good. And um, so, you know, you got to find a way to stop them. And, uh, you know, they don't want to play in their D zone. So uh, play them uh Play them in their D zone and, uh, you know, stop their speed. You know, we know that, you know, their sentiment wants to come with a lot of speed through the middle. So uh, good structure through a neutral zone and um, try to stop their uh, top players. It's similar to what we were talking about at the end of that last road trip, though, is the competition you're facing and maybe just a thought on how you guys have really seemed to rise when you've uh, played teams that are at the top of their division. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you, you want to play your best every night, but, you know, when it's a top team in the division, you, you, you bear down a little bit extra and, uh that's what we want to do tonight too. This is a tough building to come into, and uh, so it's gonna, you know, we're gonna have a good start, and then just keep the momentum throughout the game. I was looking at this morning, and I think you know the two teams that really love to you know, create offense from the defense. I think right there, points percentage-wise, I think one and three uh, in the NHL. I mean, what about for you guys is uh, is important when you look at uh, you know trying to trying to do that same thing that you've been able to do lately. Yeah, I mean, just keep joining the rush, keep making plays, keep uh, you know. Um, uh, usually uh, the top players uh, they, they try to hang hang back a little bit extra, so beat them up the ice and uh, you know try to create the odd man rushes and um, and then just you know try to create a lot of movement in the in the old zone and uh, just uh, uh, you know try to get lost a little bit there and um, I think that's going to help us a lot this, uh, today. Yeah, and you and Mackenzie have done a really good job about you know trying to pick your spots and you know, switching off, it looks like, um, you know, have you really found something there in terms of that communication and when to go and when to stay back and uh, and how that works together? Yeah, I mean, I think we just read off each other pretty good. Uh, you know, we, we think the game similarly and uh, we just, you know, we always make sure one of us try to join the rush and uh, but then when we have it in the old zone, you know, create movement and put pucks first in that and then uh, let our forwards do the job down. There you go. Rasmus Anderson, his thoughts ahead of tonight's matchup with the Colorado Avalanche. In our last check-in from the Flames locker room, Ilya Solovyov, he goes the recall for the Calgary Flames following the trade uh, that son Nikita Zadorov sent to the Vancouver Canucks. He's been operating on the third pairing and enters another game and another opportunity to solidify his spot in the NHL 
as the Flames take on the Avs. For me, it's important just to make sure I'm done my job and, uh, you know, like defend well. Uh, of course, they have a McKinnon, right, and then uh, Nichushkin. Uh, but it's like, you know, if we, if we play well in the D zone, like just with the good gaps, like uh, don't give them too much time and space, we'll be fine. Yeah, how much that gap, I mean, you know the speed, but how much does the gap play into that when you're making sure you control it? Uh, you know, like if... Uh, of course, they uh, they have a good speed, like they fast team, but you know, like that's uh, that's what we have to handle it. Like we practice it on it. Our coach is talking with us, and like we just how the coach said, tell me like you have to trust your feet, like, and uh, that's it. So nothing crazy. What for you? I mean, do you enjoy that when you get a chance to play some of these top teams and, and top players in the league? How much as a defenseman you enjoy that challenge? Oh yeah, I enjoy it every night. So like last game, I play against Hughes. I, I played with him on the World Championship in uh, Russia. It's like it was U18. So, like, yeah, of course, we lost 8-0 eight, eight probably or 8-1. Yeah, but we was after a big game against Switzerland. So, like, and we go to the uh, quarterfinals. So, like, yeah, it was back-to-back game. But, yeah, I'm enjoying every night. Like, uh, you know, Minnesota is the caprice of Tukarella. Uh, who else? Uh, hurricanes, it's AHA. So it's uh, every night I try to enjoy it because, like, I know it's uh, I have a chance who, like, uh, that not every player have this chance. So, like, I'm just like, how you said, I'm just enjoying it every night. When uh, when you look at uh, these last three games, I mean, we talked earlier when you when you got recalled again. I mean, you had two earlier this year, but have you felt differently about these last three and maybe just a sense of comfort in your game? You know, like, uh, I feel like I have I I played probably probably better than like uh, uh, first my two games of course I I give up first goals like two games in a row but first game I was a little bit nervous so it's uh, yeah it's like you know it's small details like when when I give up the goals it was a small details and uh, I'm I'm so happy that the coaching staff talking with me like every time and uh, try to help me and uh, I saw they trust me and uh, I just I just want to show that uh, that I'm ready to play here. There you go, Ilya Slovyov, our final check-in from the Flames locker room on a game day, bringing you the latest from the Calgary Flames here on every edition of Sportsnet today. Slovyov's been a great star in that back end and. Uh, another one of those young guys that maybe wasn't on the radar to start off the season, but certainly is now. And you add him into the same category as maybe Pelche and Zeri and Pospisil and uh, the youth movement. Starting to see it in more spots than just the forward spots and maybe more than just in goal with Dustin Wolf. Uh, a little bit of everywhere that youth shining through for the Calgary Flames. Slobiaf with another chance to impress tonight. Uh, as he continues on that third pairing against the Colorado Avalanche. We'll quickly pivot away from the Calgary Flames and jump back onto the biggest story over the weekend in sports. It was, of course, the Shohei Otani watch. Uh, We spent the better part of Friday live tracking a plane that didn't have Shohei Otani on it, but had everyone's fifth favorite dragon from Dragon's Den on it. Instead, Robert Herjavec. Otani, of course, goes on to announce that he's signing a 10-year, $700 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers and stays in California. But what's next for the Toronto Blue Jays? Always the bridesmaid and never the bride, it feels, for the Jays. 
Still a lot of money to be spent. Still a lot of free agents out there that could improve their team. What's the feel in Toronto? Well, Ben Shulman, uh, play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays uh, on a fill-in basis last year for the uh, uh, for Sportsnet and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Also uh, with stuff at Sportsnet.ca, he joined Patrick Dumas on the Big Show a little earlier today to talk about uh, what the Friday was like for Ben, what the weekend meant uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays, and a little bit of what's next for Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro as the Jays offseason continues without Shohei Otani. Here's uh, a bit of that conversation with Ben Shulman on the future for the Jays and what Friday was like from his perspective. Uh, my Friday was like less than 100 on why I'm going to spend less time on social media mm-hmm. uh, than I mm-hmm. currently do. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was an interesting day for me like everyone else. You know, I I will say I came in to free agency uh, with the strong belief that Shohei Otani would be a Dodger before the Blue Jays yeah. got involved. And for the most part, I didn't waver much uh, because the majority of the information put out Friday until we got to something like Morosi was from, frankly, random people saying random unchecked things. And so it, it was hard for me to, to totally buy in. And the idea, frankly, uh, just because it's so rare to have a player of that caliber in the city of Toronto, outside of maybe, you know, when the leash pulling guys like a, like a Matthews or Tavares, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I didn't really let myself believe it for a while, even if it was going to happen and a lot of and it looked like it was going to happen. Um, but you know, when, when the day ended, I, I felt once again, pretty strong that he would end up being a Dodger for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of which being that, you know, the Dodgers showed with their offer of $700 million that they are pretty much willing to put it down on the table like no one else. Like they are, the Yankees aren't the Yankees. I know that they signed Aaron Judge for a big contract and traded for Soto, but they don't. You're right. No, I uh, get what you're saying. There. They don't like really dominate the market the way that they did probably in the '90s. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Dodgers are the Yankees, frankly, yeah. no. at this point, and and they proved it with uh, you know just a gargantuan deal. So uh, it you know it's it, it there's a lot of things to break down from it. I think. Uh, you know, would would I say that the Blue Jays were in a better spot if they had Otani, for sure, uh, or if they had someone like Soto, for sure. There were risks with both of those guys too, and ways to improve themselves without getting those guys. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, finish to the offseason for sure. What should the fan base be feeling right now? Obviously, they, this is a Blue Jays team that's made the playoffs three of the last five years. They've got a team that's been competitive. If you go look at the Vegas odds before the season, the last couple of years they've been either one or one B in, in in World Series favorites. Where should how should the fan base feel? Obviously, you know, in the end, yeah, Otani ends up going to the Dodgers. They miss out on Soto. Is it just like oh nah, shucks again? The Jays miss out, or is it like hey? We were that close to one of the to the to the greatest baseball player of our modern generation. I think it's it's fine to feel like both or in the middle, kind of. You know, like I, I uh, disappointment is natural in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, they regardless of whether some people have put some articles out, out today, essentially laughing at the city of Toronto, which I thought was quite disrespectful. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, they were a finalist. Other reporters, not that one reporter who put out that one disrespectful article. Uh, they were, you know, finalists and they were in the mix. And I think there is something to that. And, and the offering up that much money and being that committed uh, to something I think is important at the same time, they didn't get anything out of it. And, and I understand why people uh, would feel frustrated or upset. I, I don't think 
I personally would feel that way about the whole off season. Yes. Because, you know, they could turn around and sign Cody Bellinger. Yep. They could turn mm-hmm. around uh, and sign one of the big guys coming over from uh, one of the international leagues. Like there's still some opportunities to get what I would consider pretty top tier guys. Uh, no one's on the level of Otani. Uh, and so does a unique situation where he's getting traded for a year and then leaving you for free agency. Yeah. So um, I, I think that there's still things that they can do if they get to the end of the off season and there hasn't been a major move made in some way, uh, then yeah, I think there's definite feeling that you, that people should probably be frustrated because as, as good as parts of this team are on paper, they are, you know, the window is, is nearing being closed. Yeah. It's not closed, but they, unless extensions are imminent, uh, you know, they have a couple more years out of Vlad and Bo, not 10 more years. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they do need to make some moves to try and, and push the team forward. And uh, so I, I think that both emotions, to make a long answer short, are pretty valid. And, and I would get if people were feeling one at one time and one at the other time. But there's, there is still a lot of time, I think, for them to, to have a good offseason. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's still like four months and change until the Dodgers make their way to Rogers Center on April 26th, 27th, and 28th. How do you, yeah. how do you think the reception for Otani will be uh, during that, that, I believe that's a weekend uh, set? Yeah, I mean, unless, so like there's, there's all these reports that maybe they were like, you know, some of the stuff Friday was created by them. And, and I don't know any of that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to confirm any of that because I, I just don't know. I don't know that I think that like booing Shohei Otani is right. Um, so I'm hoping that's not the response. Uh, you know, a free agent doesn't pick you. That happens all the time, yeah. frankly, for even teams like the Dodgers. And I don't, I don't think it was like personal. If anything, he probably likes Toronto and the fact that he was, you know, talking to the Blue Jays for that long. I mean, there were teams that were out of it this week's takes much quicker. So um, I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to hope that the response is what it, the, similar to what it was when he would come with the Angels, mm-hmm. is that he would actually get a, a good amount of applause because he's just a special the most player. entertaining baseball yeah. player. Yeah, he's just the craziest thing that any of the major four sports has seen in a long time. Like, I thought Giannis might have been that for a while, mm-hmm. or, or even when Benyama, maybe you could make the argument. Um, but there's, or McDavid. Uh, but there's uh, there's nothing like Shohei Otani, no. so I'm hoping that it's clapping. I, I think people will. I don't think people are that mad at him. That's what my read on. I think it's more the situation of the whole thing. And yeah, being uh, led one way and then told another thing, and I think that 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 stuck in a lot of people's uh, you know hat and whatnot. Uh, can the okay? So we I don't know. You obviously you've probably seen it. Cody Bellinger's girlfriend posting a picture of the CN Tower last yeah. night on her yeah. Instagram. Uh, what can the Jays do to, to kind of salvage this offseason? There's still lots of work to be done. They still need somebody to play out in left field. They still need a third baseman. Like, is, is, is there's still lots of players out there. Like, this is what people kind of forgot, like, being caught up in this Otani thing, is there's still lots of free agents and lots of trades. And I think baseball was waiting for the Otani deal to get done, for the rest of their business to, to get settled. But what, what else out there? I know Cody Bellinger. Uh, do you go back to see what Matt Chapman wants? Is, is it a Reese Hoskins? Like, the, the Jays probably need to be at least gaming, coming away with one big fish in this offseason. Yeah, I, I think my first step would be go for Bellinger. Yeah. Uh, if you can get Bellinger, 
then I think you've had a wildly successful offseason, frankly. He fills a lot of holes. And, like, obviously you have to do a couple other things. But if that's your marquee piece, that's good. Like, that's that's yeah. the second-best free agent position player on the market, I think. So uh, Cody Bellinger, I would take uh, in a heartbeat if you can get him. He fills an outfield spot for you and fills what you need in, in power in the middle of the lineup. Uh, generally is a, is a is a solid defender as well and, and has won at a high level. So I, I think you definitely try and go after him. I'm certainly looking at Matt Chapman again at this yeah. point. Um, I think that, you know, Jamer Candelario, I like the idea of it. His contract was actually even a little bigger than I thought. Um, and, you know, Chapman is still a, a, definitely a better player uh, than Jamer Candelario, frankly. So there aren't many other third basemen at this point. Uh, that you can go for. Uh, it all you know, depends on a couple things that we don't know about, which is the progression of Barger and Martinez and even David Schneider mm-hmm. uh, and other people who have played at third. That could impact it. Um, but I, I would wait a little, and, and maybe if Chapman somehow isn't getting the, the offers that he wants, maybe you can provide him another short-term deal to get back to free agency, or maybe you just end up signing him longer term and betting you know that he's gonna hit more like 25 homers that he would hit in the regular season than the 17 i believe um that he hit last year so i I do like that i then i think the next most important thing after because i i like second base for them being a mix of like you know they have biggio espinal schneider Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of guys uh, on the roster frankly that can that can fill that spot so i think they can they can kind of live with the organizational guys there uh, then I think you go, in my opinion, you go and get someone who can be a fifth starter for you. He's not going to be baseball's best fifth starter. And if not, he's probably in AAA or maybe he's a type of swingman guy that's in your bullpen. Just as some insurance. Uh, I, I have a lot of faith that they can get fifth starter production or better out of Alec Manoa this year. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the best teams have more than five starters they can rely upon because guys get hurt. Guys have bad years. I mean, we've seen in the last two years, like not just the change from Manoa year to year, the change from Kikuchi and Barrios year to year. um, You just never totally know. So I I would get a fifth starter. And then if you've done all those things, which is a lot of things, uh, if you've signed, you know, Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman and and, um, and a fifth starting pitcher, then I think you've probably done, you know, you'll add a little bit on the fringes. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Jerry Votto becomes a Blue Jay or something. But, uh, you know, I, I think you've done a lot then to help address uh, what your team needs in, in terms of just getting some of that power back into that lineup. That's part of uh, Ben Shulman's chat with Patrick Dumas during the big show on Monday. If you want to check out that full thing, you can get it wherever you get your Sportsnet 960 podcast. Uh, of course, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcast. You're just a bit done. Uh, some of the reaction out of Toronto going back to the weekend after the Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani signing news with the L.A. Dodgers. Of course, we're focused in on a Flames game day as we wrap up here uh, and get you set for real Kipper and Bourne. Did want to let you know NHL.com with projected lineups tonight for the Calgary Flames in Colorado. Looks like we'll see a change in the top six. Zeri is going to be off of the line with Kadri and Pospisil and moved up to Lindholm and Sharon Govich's line. So Zeri, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, Manjapani with Kadri and Pospisil. You're going to see Huberto with Backlund and Coleman. Greer, Ruzichka, Dubé as your fourth line. Uyghur with Anderson. 
Hannafin with Tanev, Solovyov with Gilbert, Dan Vladar set to get the start in goal, and appears Matt Coronado will be a healthy scratch for tonight's game. Those are the projected lines per NHL.com. We'll have more on that tonight during Flames warm-up. It's when our Flames coverage starts with Pat Steinberg at 6.30, 7.30. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Quick thank you to our guest today, Emily Sadler, chatting all things NFL from Sportsnet.ca. And Ryan Bolding took a look at the opposition, the Colorado Avalanche, with us. He uh, writes for NHL.com, covering the Avalanche on a day-to-day basis. Thanks to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. Really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down and get you set for the Flames and the Golden Knights. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy the Flames and the Avalanche. Back at it tomorrow here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.